Coming up on Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a nation delivered to the presence of God. Man Moses led the people to the designated place in verse 17, and the people stood at the foot of the mountain. What an awesome experience. The descent of God on the mountain was witnessed by the people. You can just imagine fear and awesomeness be under God's presence. And the man Moses spoke, and God answered, and they all heard him. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. I am the Lord your God. Consecrate yourselves and be holy, because I am holy. God is holy. He tells us He's holy. He showed the delivered Israelites the evidence of His holiness. But He also calls us to be holy. Coming up in our continuing Simple Truth series in the book of Exodus, Pastor Xavier takes us to the foot of the mountain of God, Sinai. And it's here that Moses had led the people out of Egypt to gather to sanctify them in order to meet their God. We pick up our study while opening to Exodus chapter 19. The Lord said to Moses, the state and manner of communication, again here is that God veils His glory. Behold, I come to you in a thick cloud. This is Moses' second ascent at the top. You see, if, if God didn't veil his glory, Moses would be destroyed. No man can see God and live. So these are all theophanies. Theo, God, ophanies, appearances of God. He, he shows a physical manifestation to give evidence that he's present. But that manifestation is not God. You understand? It's a theophany. A cloud, a pillar, but it's not God. Notice the reason for the Methodists related in verse 9 at the end there. So God would uh, allow the people to witness with their own ears to hear him speak to Moses. What an incredible privilege. They would be witnesses to the very voice of God having greater accountability than the people that don't hear. Moses later on recounted that to the second generations in Deuteronomy 4.32 and 33. The main purpose of God was clearly stated and believe you forever. So God established God's delegated authority to minimize the rebelliousness of the people. Minimize. They still are going to rebel. We're going to see the rebellion of Korah later on. You know, there's always people that think that pastors or people are trying to push their way. I'm not here to run your life. I've got enough problems with my own life. You know, you're here to hear the voice of God so you can be obedient to God. You understand? Between you and God. You're here to hear the voice of God and also to establish orderly submission to maximize the benefit of the nation. And when a church understands the authority and the order of God and the word of God, then that church moves progressively forward. Things happen. People get involved. People look to the word of God and things flow. You understand? There's enough problems with it even when you do everything right. You understand? We're dealing with you and me, so we've got problems. (laughs) We still have sin nature, so we have to be careful. The summary statement then is given there in 9. Moses told the words of the people of God, and, and this has already been said at the end of verse 8, so it's a summary statement here. No contradiction. Now notice the separation of the people declared by God is without exception. That comes next in verse 11, or 10 through 13. In verse 10, the preparation of the people is given, and the Lord commanded Moses to return to the people and to set them apart for two days. Then the Lord said to Moses, Go to the people and consecrate them today and tomorrow. The word consecration again means set apart, to hollow. And here the context is for Yahweh. 
set apart for him. The people were to wash their clothes. External sanctification. Now, that doesn't make me holy. But that external sanctification should cause me to search within to make sure I'm right with God inwardly. Lest we be like the Pharisees. Jesus says, you know, you guys make these white sepulchers, uh, these tombstones, so that when people come in pilgrimage, they don't get defiled. But inward, you're full of dead men's bones. So in other words, you're living a double life. Okay? He says, if God wants exterior sanctification, how much more should I search my heart and have him minister to me? Understand? This is what it's talking about. The preparation had a deadline. Notice, the third day, they had to be ready. And then he would come down on Mount Sinai, there in verse 11, in the sight of all the people, and it's emphatic in the Hebrew. He would come down. He told Moses, I have heard, I have seen, I've come down. The New Testament says that in the beginning was the Word, the Word was God, God was the Word, and the Word became flesh, and we beheld His glory as the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. God came down in the person of Jesus Christ, and He took on flesh to die for your sins, to die for mine. Notice the preparation also had to be of the mountain in verse 12. Moses was to establish these uh, definite lines for the safety of the people. Not to the, for the safety. You should set boundaries or bounds for the people all around. Moses then was to warn the people of the boundaries. He says, saying, take heed to yourselves that you do not go out to the mountain to touch these bases. Very clear, very straightforward. You would think you don't have to say it twice. You're dealing with people. You have to say it a hundred times. And then you still have those who think they can get away with it. Moses was to declare the absolute consequences if those boundaries were crossed. Whoever touches the mountain shall surely be put to death categorically without exception. Oh, I, I, my, my God is not like that. My God's loving. My God's tolerant. Well, your, your God is not a real God then. My God is holy. And that's the message here. He's not permissive. He's not like the gods of the Greeks. The gods of the Greek are more perverted than the Greeks. Look at 13, the preparation for the disobedient. God knows, in spite of that, there are going to be people across the line. So this is what he says. No man was to approach the rebel. Not a hand shall touch him. So those would and will cross the line. Don't touch him. Men were to be stationed at different vantage points to execute the defiant. But he shall surely be stoned or shot with an arrow. No questions asked. Nobody had to go, hey, did you hear? You're dead. No one was exempt, whether man or beast. He shall not live. Pretty heavy, huh? Now, you realize we serve the same holy God today? He hasn't become less holy? And yet this concept has been lost in the church. The preparation for the gathering of the people then comes. They would be signaled by the sound of the horn when the trumpet sounded. And they were to respond. They would come near the mountain. So God again set the timing, set the order, the instruction, all of this. As we look to the word of God, we see how he wants us to set our houses in order. How he wants me to live my life. And, that, and he's the one that sets the rules, not me. The confirmation of Moses' obedience to declare God's word to the people is given. In 14, their sanctification was obeyed. Moses went down the mountain. The people were sanctified. The people washed their clothes. And then the third day, the meeting in verse 15 was announced. Moses told the people to get ready on the third day. And the abstinence from sexual relations from husband and wife were there for ceremonial cleanness. Nothing wrong with husband and wife 
being intimate, but this is a special time. This is dedicated to God. This is, you know, you, you can always get together. You don't always meet with God this way, and, and, um, and he's a holy God. And so he, he makes this very clear. And we'll, we'll make a little application on that with the New Testament because this also comes across the New Testament when Paul deals with the Corinthians. Hebrews 10.10 10 says, By that will, speaking the will of God and Jesus, we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Christ Jesus once and for all. By his death that we have believed and embraced, we have been set apart. Christian understands that he or she it's called then to a continual life of sanctification. Listen to Paul exhorting the Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians 4, 3 through 4. He says, For this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you should abstain from sexual immorality, that each of you should know how to possess his own vessel in sanctification and honor. Now, usually when we think about sanctification or lust, we all usually think sex, but that's not the only thing, okay? It can be for anything. It's your thought pattern, it's, it's uh, murmuring, complaining, any of that stuff. Uh, any strong propensity in our sinfulness that, 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 that makes problems between us and God and people is very important. Second Thessalonians 2.13 says, Because God from the beginning chose you for salvation through sanctification by the Spirit and believe in the truth. This is the work of the Holy Spirit. So we're not to grieve it, we're not to quench it, we're to yield to it, we're to obey it, we're to be filled with it. So that we can be obedient to the word. Peter identifies the Christian as the following. Elect according to the foreknowledge of God, the Father, in sanctification of the Spirit for obedience and the sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. Grace to you and peace be multiplied. 1 Peter 1, 2. Paul speaking to the Corinthians because they were so carnal in 1 Corinthians 7, 4 through 5 in particular. You know, the, the, some of the Corinthian men were saying, well, now we're, we're Christians, and, and, you know, maybe it's best not to have a relationship with our wives because I want to be more spiritual. That's one of the things that could have been the, the, the very reason they were asking these questions. And, and Paul says, no, no, you've got it wrong. Listen to him here. He says there, the wife does not have authority over her own body, but the husband does. So men say, yeah, remember that, honey. Now listen. And likewise, the husband does not have authority over his own body, but the wife does. Paul the Apostle found nowhere else in Scripture, in this text in chapter 7, calls a man to submit sexually to his wife. Because they were thinking, well, now maybe I'll be more spiritual if I don't have sex. That decision is before you're married. Once you're married, you can't say no to your partner in a relationship. It's not a choice. You understand? You're there for them, not just for you. Don't ever use sex to punish your wife or husband. Don't let Satan come into the Holy of Holies. You hear me? You be real careful. You open a big door to destruction. Paul says, listen, you want to do it for consent for a time because you give yourself to the Lord, that's fine. In other words, you say, hon, you know, I, I want to seek the Lord for a couple of days. I've got some things that I'm lifting to him. Then she knows or he knows and it's no problem. They're not going to that night try to approach you because then if you say, well, I won't tell him this way, you know, and, and then they approach you and then they end up in a big fight because you don't want to tell him. Your husband and wife, you can tell each other what you, with your plans with the Lord. Not going to matter, okay? But, but then you come back so you're not tempted by Satan, he says. Now, you know, you go to your wife, honey, I want a couple of days, that's fine. But your wife or your husband comes to you and say, listen, for the next 10 years, I want to die. No, shut up. No, you, don't, you, don't, you don't do that. You understand? That, that's not being spiritual. That's being carnal and foolish. You understand? 
It's very important. Now Peter tells the Christian in 1 Peter 3.15, But sanctify the Lord God in your heart and always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks for the reason of the hope that lies in you with meekness and fear. Sanctify the Lord in your heart. There's this warfare constantly, my sin nature and the, and the, and the divine nature, and, and we blow it at times, you know? We need to get right as often as, as soon as we can. And Jude puts it this way, Jude verse 1. Jude, the bondservant of Jesus Christ, the brother of James, to those who are called, sanctified by God the Father and preserved in Jesus Christ. You understand? You're to live a set-apart life for God. You used to live it for yourself. Now it's for God. You used to live it for the world, to do what you want, to go where you want, to say what you want. You don't have that freedom anymore. You're a slave of Jesus Christ. If not, change your name. Don't call yourself a Christian. It's real simple. You're not compelled to serve Christ. It's a privilege to serve Him. And so the instruction to Moses in preparation of the people communicated God's holiness. Then 30, notice in 16 through 25, the manifestation of God to Moses and the people revealed God's holiness. This is the climax. Verse 16 through 17, the presence of God on the mountain had an effect on the people as it always should. The event occurred as God had declared. On the third day in the morning, there was stormy appearance on the mountain by the theophanies, but this was not a storm. This was the presence of God. Thunderings and lightnings, a thick cloud on the mountain. Now, the mountain is called holy at times, different things, and we'll see this with Peter, because of the presence of God. But the mountain, once God is gone, it's not holy anymore. And this is the thing when we become pagan or we're religious. We think that we build a shrine somewhere because a miracle happened here, this and that, so I need to go there. God will only meet me there, so I've got to go there. And that's where God spoke to me, so I always go back there. Some of you, God spoke to you, maybe you come in, you sit in the same chair, and, and you're becoming religious. You know, because that's where God died. you got, I got, I got to regain. No. It, it, it speaks to your heart, you understand? you got to be careful of that. There was a signal for gathering in 16. The trumpet was sounded. The ram's horn, shofar. The effect was that all the people in the camp trembled. The man Moses led the people to the designated place in verse 17, outside the camp to meet God. And the people stood at the foot of the mountain. What an awesome experience. 18 and 19, the descent of God on the mountain was witnessed by the people. The effect on the mountain in 18 was completely in smokes, the appearance of fire. The reason is given to us there. The mountain was a smoke because the Lord had descended in the fire. Fire is one of God's most used metaphors for his nature and his presence. He had led them through a pillar of fire. Hebrews 12, 29 says, For our God is a consuming fire. Notice the quaking on the mountain. The smoke ascended. And the entire mountain quaked greatly because of the presence of God. His awesome holiness. The final signal of the horn began the communication at the foot of the mountain in 19, the blast of the trumpet, the shofar, sounded long. It became louder and louder, indicating the nearness, the intensity. You can just imagine how the people were, you know, in fear and awesomeness to be under God's presence. And the man Moses spoke, and God answered by voice, and they all heard it. So that in the future, they would not say, Moses, you're a liar. 
But they still did. <laughs> but they had no excuse. They heard it. He was God's servant for the people. The summoning of Moses to the mountain follows the time of the call in verse 20. You see the presence of God. Then the Lord Yahweh came down upon Mount Sinai on the top of the mountain. This is the third ascent of Moses. The Lord called Moses to the top of the mountain and Moses went up. But notice in verse 21, you have the second warning for the safety of the people. The first words were, the Lord Yahweh said to Moses, go down and warn the people. Moses had already done so, but God saw the heart of the people, that there were a group of people that were not going to obey. But Moses thinks he's got it under control. Listen, listen to his words. The reason for the words is lest they break through to gaze at the Lord and many of them perish, which they did. We're going to see in the book of Hebrews tells us also. Verse 22, the instructions for the consecration of the priests is given. And the command, also let the priests who come near the Lord consecrate themselves. These had to be the firstborn. The priesthood has not been established yet. But remember the firstborn, they became the high priest of the home. So this is the firstborn. Later on, God will redeem the firstborn and take the Levites to himself. And the difference in number, he'll redeem through money. We'll get to that as we move along. Notice the reason. Lest the Lord Yahweh break out against them. Why does he keep repeating this? Because like a good parent, you warn your You understand what I'm saying? Because you don't want to come down on your kid. So you warn him a hundred times. This is God. Look at 23. The assurance of Moses that the people were instructed in obedience. So Moses saying, you know, God's telling them all this. And Moses says, here we have the naiveness of Moses about the boundaries. He says, but Moses said to the Lord, the people cannot come up to Sinai, Mount Sinai. <laughs> then the naiveness of Moses about the obedience of the people. For you warned us, saying, set bounds around the mountain and consecrate it. I did all that, Lord. I love the answer. It's so classic. Then the Lord said to him, away. <laughs> it's like your kid telling you, well, but my, you know, be quiet, go away. Get down and then come up, you and Naren with you. Aren't you glad God sees what you can't and he's faithful to warn us and be so patient? The caution but do not let the priests and the people break through to come up to the Lord, lest he break out against them. This is the third warning. You have it in 12 and 13, 21, 22, and here in 24. Three times. It demonstrates the rebelliousness of the heart of us. The submissive obedience of Moses, he went down to the people and spoke to them. Moses was in good shape that year. He went up, he went down, he went up, he went down. John saw the throne of God in Revelation chapter 4, verse 2 through 11. Everybody's on their face, crowns at their feet, cast down, worshiping Jesus, the Redeemer, worthy to be praised. The throne of God. One day Jesus took three of his disciples up to the high mountain in Matthew 17. And um, Peter, James, and John went up with him, and and Jesus was transfigured in his glory, speaking to Moses and Elijah. And a cloud overshadowed them, and they heard a voice from heaven, the Father, saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Hear 
him. And they were greatly afraid. The same response as we have in Mount Sinai, we have in the Mount of Transfiguration in the New Testament. You understand? He's the same God. God the Father knows the need of man. And now in the age of grace, he declares that he speaks to man only through Jesus Christ. Nobody else. Listen carefully. In Hebrews 1, 1 through 4, he says, God, who at various times and in various ways spoke in times past to the Father by the prophets, has in these last days spoken unto us by his dear Son. Listen to the rest. Whom he has appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the worlds, he being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person, and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become so much better than the angels, as he has by inheritance obtained a much more excellent name than they. Book of Hebrews, the name is better. Jesus is better. He's better than angels, better than Moses, better than Joshua, better than Aaron, better than sacrifice. He's plain better. (laughs) You understand? And if you settle for any of those things apart from Jesus, you're in bad shape. The only way to get better is through Jesus. Hebrews 3, 1 through 3 says, Therefore, holy brethren, I like that. He's holy brethren. Partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and high priest of our confession, or Jesus Christ, who was faithful to him who appointed him, as Moses also was faithful in all his house. For this one, speaking of Jesus, was, has been counted worthy of more glory than Moses, inasmuch as he who built the house has more honor than the house. He's the only one. The author to the book of Hebrews put it this way as he contrasts, he puts a parallel between the experience we're studying here at Sinai and our experience. Listen to him carefully. Hebrews 12, 18 through 24. For you have not come to the mountain that may be touched and burn with fire and to blackness and darkness and tempests and the sound of trumpets and the voice of words so that those who heard it begged that the word should not be spoken to them anymore for they could not endure what was commanded. And if so much as a beast touched the mountain, it was, should be stoned or shot with an arrow. And so terrifying was the sight that Moses said, I am exceedingly afraid and trembling. We'll get this as we move along. It was an awesome thing. But you, now he speaks to Christians. Here's the parallel. You have come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, to an innumerable company of angels, to the general assembly of the church of the firstborn who are registered in heaven, to God the judge of all, to the spirits of just men made perfect, to Jesus the mediator of the new covenant, and to the blood of sprinkling that speaks better things than that of Abel. What a high privilege we have. Jesus was conceived by the Holy One. He was the epitome of holiness. The God that we encounter on Sinai is the same God that came down to die for you and sits at the right hand of the Father. The manifestation of God to Moses and the people revealed God's holiness. The revelation given to Moses to communicate to the people implied God's holiness. The instruction to Moses and preparation of the people communicated God's holiness. And the manifestation of God to Moses and the people revealed 
God's holiness. If we ever lose this basic sight, God help our life and the church. We serve a holy God. Absolutely holy. Pastor Xavier Reese, communicating the holiness of the God we serve as God revealed himself to the delivered nation of Israel. Now, just before we close, let me mention that copies of today's study titled The Holy God at Sinai are available on CD for just $4. And this will also include everything Pastor Xavier shared the last time we were together as well. Now, once again, the title to ask for is simply The Holy God at Sinai, or just mention today's date. You can request your copy by writing Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And thanks for mentioning the call letters of this station when you get in touch. This helps us track the effectiveness of this ministry in your area. And then join us for more Simple Truths next time with Pastor Xavier Reese. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com 